one-on-one, just me and you. Dungeon master, don't have a crew. Make a move, win or lose. Got past the Jews, past the Jews. You have to roll to stay alive. And you're on your last life. You have to roll to stay alive. Welcome everyone to Des Moines and Dragons. I'm your host and Dungeon Master, Paul Privateira. I have some special guests in the studio with me today, as well as my dog upstairs, letting the whole neighborhood know that we just started recording. Um, I have two committee members from the Cardboard Caucus. I have Will Conley and Matt Kelly. Welcome, you guys. How are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having us. Great. Excellent. Um, Will, Matt, would you guys... uh, Kind of tell us a little bit about what the Cardboard Caucus is. Um, I, few of us in on the Des Moines and Dragons tr- crew um, are going, and we wanted to make sure that folks that listen to us uh, get a chance to go. So, what what is the Cardboard Caucus? Well, the Cardboard Caucus is a board game convention. It's going to take place the last weekend in October, uh, the Friday through Sunday. So, starting Friday afternoon, running late Friday all day Saturday, and then into Sunday afternoon. And generally, it's basically a, a big board game get-together. Uh, here in Des Moines, we have, uh, between Des Moines and Ankeny, we have uh, weekly get-togethers, um, many nights of the week, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. And we uh, generally, the biggest of them, we get maybe a couple of dozen people showing up. But we know there are thousands of people here in Des Moines who are board game players. We have a group on Facebook for our the Des Moines area board gamers. And we have over a thousand members, but we only have a small number of them that show up to our weekly game nights. And so we know that there's this untapped potential of all these people who, for whatever reason, kids, job, a lot of our weekly meetups are on school nights. So uh, a board game convention is a good way for people to be able to come out. It's a special event where you can make the time to come out when you normally wouldn't be able to come out, meet some new people, try games you wouldn't normally get to play. And so we just wanted to uh, set something up like that locally here in Des Moines because there are board game conventions all over the country going on all the time. And the fact that Des Moines, the the good board gaming group that we have, that we don't have a convention yet, seemed crazy to us. And so we decided to sit down and put one together. That's awesome. I, uh, I've i been to Gen Con years and years ago. Um, I go to Gary Con every year, which is like a D&D convention in Wisconsin. I was so happy to see a board game convention sprout up in Des Moines. Um, it's something local that I don't have to reserve a hotel to go do. Mm-hmm. I can just enjoy, go out with some friends and play Catan, play Pandemic, whatever. Um, yeah, that that's so great that Des Moines gets that. Uh, could you tell us what's your favorite board games? Mine uh, is Splendor. It's an old classic uh, gateway game. Uh, it's plays in less than an hour and it seems like almost everyone you introduce it to really enjoys it. Kind of like the, the ticket to ride in Catan. Okay. It's along those same lines. So we're how many gonna, players? 
Um, that one plays up to four players, and we're actually going to have a tournament of that uh, at the convention as well. Okay. And then uh, just to backtrack a little bit, we also will have some uh, role-playing games at the convention as well. There's some events that have been set up, and uh, people that do set, uh, sign up for the convention can create their own little events as well. Oh, if cool. there's uh, anyone that wants to run a role-playing event, whereas we don't really have much organized play this time go around a first time through sure sure awesome wow it's that's tough it's like you know who's your who's your favorite kid um (laughs) we all know yeah Yeah. (laughs) but you have one just don't Um, want to admit to it (laughs) so well there's a game called orleon which is it's a little bit unusual it's uh what's called a bag building game it's set in sort of medieval france you've got a map of the area of france around orleon and What's interesting about it is every player has a little bag and you've got these tokens that as the game goes on, you everybody starts with the same set of tokens in their bag, but you uh, sort of build up your bag. You earn more tokens to go into the bag and each round you pull a certain number out and then you have things you want to do on the map. But each thing you want to do requires a certain set of tokens like if I want to do this thing. I need a white one and a red one or if I want to do this other thing, I need a blue and a white. Okay. And so you can kind of based on what your strategy is and the kind of things you want to do, you kind of build up your bag to sort of support that. And so that's, that's a, a mechanic that isn't used in a lot of games. And so it's a little bit different. So I think that's partially kind of when I kind of like that. That's fun. I like, I like games with exciting, uh, different mechanics than the typical like roll dice or draw cards. Although I love deck building games. Um, I'm a huge dork for, this legacy game that's arguably maybe not that great, Shadowrun Crossfire, is a uh, based off of the RPG Shadowrun, but it is like a deck building sort of like an RPG. I guess maybe Gloomhaven is a, probably a better version of that game. Right? Yeah, the the number one rated game in the world at uh, Board Game Geek right now. Yep. Uh, I asked my birthday is coming up, and I asked my wife <laughs> for that game for my birthday because it's hard to justify spending. $120 on myself, but if someone wanted to get me Gloomhaven. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a friend that uh, we split the cost and we, this winter, will be coming up on two years of our Gloomhaven campaign. Oh, wow. So, so. envious. That's so, uh, okay. Offline, I will ask you about it. But this <laughs> intro has gone uh, a little long, but that's, that's okay. Because uh, the next question I wanted to ask, what are your guys' experiences with, uh, maybe not specifically D&D, but role-playing games in general? Yeah, um, I, me and uh, some middle school buddies used to play uh, D&D, and then also we had some exposure to the Star Wars. We played that a lot. So, yeah, uh, we played several different ones. We played Marvel once upon a time, so we've had a lot of uh, good times with RPGs in the past. I just haven't played it in a long, long time. Kind of awesome. sad. So, yeah. Oh, that's, hey, that's all right. Today, turning over a new leaf, and we're playing some <laughs> to D&D it, yeah. today. Right, and I've, uh, I've never really played organized role-playing that much i've played a lot of there are a lot of uh role-playing adjacent board games that i played like gloomhaven we just mentioned Mm -hmm. um and i back in college i had a group of friends who had an ongoing campaign and from time to time i'd hang out with them while they were playing i got to play the guest villain one time and so uh, cool so uh, along those lines i remember one time going to a convention years and years ago and buying the there was a doctor who role-playing game that i bought the source Mm -hmm. books for never ever played it but just to be able to flip through the books and see all the cool stuff oh yeah the i think one of the things that people miss out on role-playing games is uh the rules are vital to a role-playing game but a lot of like the supplemental like the story bits the artwork i mean a lot of that stuff has 
value all by itself without the rules. Um, it's a couple great RPGs with really uh, thematic, just heavy tones. And I, anyway, <laughs> fangirled enough about <laughs> D and um, So we're we're in for a brand new episode of Last Life with our friends at the Cardboard Caucus. So we're here. We're ready to play. I've got uh, got Matt Conley, got Will Conley, and Matt <laughs> Kelly. Excuse me. Great. Killing this first part. Um, So the setting that your two characters are in, you arrive, you each arrive in town. Uh, The town is covered in a thin layer of snow, uh, uh, straw thatched roofs. You've got uh, deep ruts cut into the uh, uh, roadways in between the, the the mud houses, um, denoting carts and people traveling about. Um, this is the furthest most point of civilization in our world. And your two characters as a part of the guild have come out to seek fame or fortune, helping out the downtrodden and lowly peasants of the Icelands. Um, would you guys mind describing your characters, maybe what they look like, what their, uh, what weapons they carry, um, to give our audience a picture of what, of who they are. Well, I am Duvad Karel. I am a human fighter. My background is I was a soldier. I have a, my main weapon is a warhammer. So I'm basically sort of a, a big, strong guy. My, uh, my intelligence and my charisma, not so high. So I'm kind of your stereotypical sort of big, dumb, strong uh, warrior type. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically I'm, I'm, I also have a javelin. So I'm basically out there with my, my hammer, just trying to hit stuff and kill it. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Duvad. And I'm Owens Thirteen. Uh, I'm a Lightfoot Halfling Rogue, and my weapons are I have a short bow, a, a dagger, and a rapier. So we've got our, our Rogue and Fighter uh, two-person party. So when you two, so Owens and Duvad... Uh, you two have adventured many times together in the past. Um, you've gone out, uh, you've put together whole uh, guild adventuring conventions in, in, uh, in previous towns. And here you are in the frozen north looking for work, for coin, for fame. Uh, where would be the first place that you might go to seek out a quest? Or uh, where would you two find yourselves if you just enter into a new town? Well, the tavern. No trouble ever starts in a tavern. Right. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. Totally agree. That's, that's where <laughs> all, all the other adventures are going to be hanging out there. So word of mouth uh, gives give us the lie of the land. What's going on? So uh, you see down the street, there's a uh, uh, a sign hanging for the, the ice box. Is, a, is the local tavern where... Um, the frost elves gather to drink and commiserate about how frickin' cold and miserable it is up here. Um, so do you, do you head then to the icebox to see what lay about this town then? What? Yes, yes. Yeah, let's go to the icebox. So uh, inside the tavern, it is dimly lit with uh, oil lamp lamps. And you see that, yes, the most of the town are of these fair-skinned, almost white-haired frost elves. Um, they don't look like your typical elves in the sense that they're not quite as beautific and chiseled. They look to be the more working man's elf. Um, they've got hard, angular, uh, 
features on their face. Uh, many of them are dirty and have mud on their boots and on their clothes. And uh, uh, you see there's, I don't know, maybe a half dozen uh, frost elves sitting around at various tables. There's a, a barkeep that's doing the classic wiping of a mug that all barkeeps and all taverns do. Uh, where, where do you post up? Do you order a drink? What do you do? Um, grab a, a booster seat and go over and hop <laughs> up uh, next to the bar there so we can have a little uh, good talk. So the uh, the bartender comes over to you, Ons, and he uh, he says, "Hi, what'll you be drinking?" I want a pint of your finest mead. Ah, okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, one moment. He turns around and goes over to a cask and pulls open the stopper, takes a wood uh, a wooden flagon and fills it up to the top with foam, uh, pouring over. Puts the stopper back in, slams it down on the table, and uh, for the sake of convenience, we'll say you have uh, maybe five to ten gold pieces. I'm not super. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I put gold on your character sheets. So sorry, but you have enough. Here. Yeah, <laughs> starting immediately with a bar fight. No, uh, you. We'll just say you each have about five gold on you, so should be able to pay your way for a few things here in town if needed. And uh, yeah, he he slams the flagon of mead down for you, Ons, and um, says, "Ah, what uh, what brings you into town, there, little one?" Well, me and my friend here, my point. Ah, you big fella, a Duvad. <laughs> Duvad, it's a pleasure. Carl, the snow <laughs> elf, <laughs> frost elf. <laughs> Good to meet you, Carl. <laughs> what do you be drinking? Uh, I will have uh, something a bit stronger than my companion. He can't hold his drink the way that a big fellow like myself can. Ah, I see that. I see that in your eye. Very good. Well, here, something special for you. Uh, first time in town here. He reaches under the table and grabs a glass bottle of a very clear liquid, pulls the stopper off, and the smell of alcohol like causes maybe your eyes to burn a little bit. And <laughs> like this... Um, same reaction you'd have if you smelled horseradish and <laughs> pours uh, a small glass shot glass with this liquid and puts it over to you on the house friend. I knock it back and shudder a bit and say, that'll do. <laughs> anyway, what, uh, what brings you two up to the Frostlands? Um, well, we're members of the guild and we're here looking for ah, guild members then. Good, good seeing what's going on in the, the area, if there's any stories or troubles. Yes, well, uh, unfortunately, Te'ekal is not without its difficulties and without its problems. Uh, we have... Uh, you're looking for work, then? Yes, yes. <laughs> good, good. Uh, why don't you wait right there for a moment? And he... Uh, leans over to one of the other patrons, whispers something into their ear. He walks out from behind the uh, bar table. You see him disappear, <laughs> goes into a door and disappears from view for a few moments. Did he leave the, the alcohol out in the open for us? He did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Basically lean against the bar, 
scan the room, sort of take the measure of all the people I see. Yeah, you you know that most everyone in the bar, the half dozen or so frost elves that are in there are paying you no mind. They look to be drinking and commiserating amongst themselves. And as you scan the room, you note that uh, the uh, fire, the hearth is lit, um, that there's uh, stuffed heads of all variety of animals around the, around the room that many recognize, uh, maybe a couple owlbear heads, uh, maybe a couple um, like goblin skulls. Um, but then you see a couple... Uh, stuffed heads that you don't recognize of these massive um, like we would know them as polar bears but in D&D world they're much much bigger have big long saber tooth uh, teeth on the front of them animals that you neither of you have seen before the bartender comes back and with him in tow uh, is a old old man Uh, he's in a blue cloak and he sits down next to you, Devad. I, uh... Someone tells me that there are guild members here in search for work. Yes, that's... I'm Devad. This is my companion, Onz. We come from further south. We've come up here to your town seeking adventure. Devad, Onz, it is good to make your acquaintance. I, uh... Maester... Tori Bronstag. It's a pleasure. He's, you, he turns to look at you both and you see he's got a, a, a wispy gray mustache, um, balding head. Uh, he is a human and he is not a frost elf. And um, yeah, he, he says to you, um, I am the uh, archivist in this town. I collect the stories and tales of those who venture out and record them. I have a proposition for those seeking adventure, but it is most dangerous. So before I tell you what it is, you must first swear to me that you will take the job before I tell it to you. I swear. (laughs) Owns no danger. (laughs) Yeah. This is no problem. We've fought many dangers in the past. We're experienced fighters. He reaches into a, um, he's carrying like a messenger bag and he uh, lifts open the. It's European. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, hello. And he, he lifts open the messenger bag and pulls out uh, an old gnarled tome and halfs it on the table in front of you and slaps the top of the, the tome. Myths here, the pre-dawn peoples, other assorted tales. Inside, I have uncovered a secret. And you hear from down further uh, the bar, the bartender calls back, Ah, he's full of crap. I'd be careful before you trust him. And the the, the maester says, Ah, pay him no mind. I, I know what it is I see in this book. He pushes it over to you. Ons. Um, I go ahead and I uh, open it up, make sure that you know it's okay. Then I'm going to flip through his magical little book that he likes so much here, <laughs> and I'm uh, looking for where we're going to make our entry towards the end. Maybe you know, do a brief overscan, see what some of the stuff is in there. So the uh, there's a bookmark placed in the book. So 
as soon as you open it, you see that there are old pencil sketches of um, uh, giants, of um, landscapes, of ice, sheer cliffs, of frozen icicles. The old frost god, Jotunhander, had places and temples all across the north. All have been left in ruin over time, but one such place hides a secret. I believe in these pages, a map to this location lies within. The Jotundir ruins. Temple of the god himself, you see, and he... He flips through, um, he kind of grabs a couple of the pages in front of you, Ons, and flips them over and uh, points to uh, a bunch of drawings and he's got numbers and weird glyphs. It all looks completely nonsensical. Can you make an arcana roll for me, Ons? Um, which die is that? So you'll take a d20 and then there should be an arcana skill. That's one on that. And then you'll add one to this number. So I got seven, and then so that would be an eight. Okay. So yes, it is completely indecipherable. Um, Devad, would you like to make an arcana roll for me? Absolutely. <laughs> I, okay, zero. So. Zero. Four. Excellent. <laughs> so, so he's pointing to all of this like just complete nonsense to you. <laughs> no idea if what he's saying or what he's showing you describes what it is he's telling you. Why you show us these meaningless scratches, old man? <laughs> because this here is, it lays it out here simply. Here, here. And he flips a few more pages and um, comes to a, uh, a large page. It, this poem here. The temple in the corner of the seer's eye, buried beneath are the secrets of Ecoli. Buried forever will they rest his gilded prize for his grace, a treasure equal in glory and size. Don't you see? It's all there, laid out plainly. <laughs> all I heard was E. coli. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't eat here, guys. <laughs> yeah, don't eat the beef <laughs> or the cabbage. Um, no, it's... It, the burial chamber, when they, when they buried Jotunhander, the, they... They buried him with all of his treasures. This is where his treasures are. This is the true burial of Jotunhander. This is where his gold lays. Maybe if I hold out like a napkin and I'm like, here, go ahead and write me a path to where these ruins and his treasures are. Maybe that might serve us more purpose. Ah, uh, smart. Uh, I can see why you're so well-adventured, Ons. And he goes and um, scribbles out a crude map of the surrounding area. And he uh, makes sure that it is properly labeled. And you can see that the um, trip that it would take to get there. I can actually pull it up here a little bit. So I've got, uh, for those listening, the format of audio. I've got, my, I've got my hex map that you can check out on our website if you'd like to follow along, DesMoinesAndDragons.com. Uh, we are in... Te'ikal, which is the uh, uh, ice, Iceland village, um, for northernmost civilized place. And he's marked um, along the coast, basically on the opposite side of this peninsula, the Jotun here ruins. And 
he he uh, scribbles in a couple like skulls with like crossbones on them like oh you just don't want to go there there's trolls here and uh he he's talking at you so fast that uh it begins just becoming nonsensical and he he stops what he's saying and then turns to you divad if you can bring back the red jewel from inside the temple the rest of the gold is yours. Do you know what sort of dangers might await us in the temple itself? What do the legends tell you? Uh, well, <laughs> the archaic scrawlings of the old peoples, they, they speak of armatures, of suits of armor that move on their own power, gifted magics by the gods themselves, there are all manner of dangers, but <laughs> dangers that you have both clearly encountered before should be no problem for ones such accomplished as yourselves. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the journey itself, uh, and he says that the journey should take... So each hex is a day of regular travel. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hexes to travel. So it will take you about eight days um, of travel overland. Um, a few days in just the regular timber. Um, but then once you get into the, the white hexes, um, that is when there's cold. You may have to hunt. It's a very pretty map. <laughs> the uh uh maester smiles emphatically like oh yes thank you <laughs> well then there's no time to spare how about some uh rations for our travels here while we go to these ruins yes um <laughs> you're serious you're doing this absolutely yes well, <laughs> this is the reason we came to your town excellent <laughs> fantastic barkeep Another round. A little concerned, you know, that he's not surprised. The bartender comes over and puts in front of you uh, each another full flagon of mead. Um, and then he reaches under the table, pulls out the uh, harsh liquor that he gave to you, Devad, before and pours out a couple more shots and puts them in front of you. Best of luck to you both. <laughs> the, at this point, the old man is just laughing to himself like just so excited couldn't be more gleeful he's he turns and walks away to you and puts his arms around a couple other people um that are just sitting at the table minding their own business and gleefully saying how he's going to be very very rich very soon yes gonna bring him back this magical red jewel and all of our gold we should probably get a cart to haul our gold back that's true so true it's not a bad idea. <laughs> not a bad idea at all. He, uh, um, noticing that uh, everyone else in the bar doesn't really care about what this crazy old man wants, he stops talking, comes over and says, I, would prov I will provide provisions for your travel. I guess eight to nine days. I will finance your rations and uh, supplies so that journey would be less uncomfortable for you perfect smiles a big toothy smile exposing that he's missing most of his teeth um but he's got a few couple hangers on still in there 
and he smells. <laughs> You're being artist here. Yep. Maybe a pony and a horse so we can get going. Yes, yes. Yes, uh, okay. you take mine. Perk. Gladly take. <laughs> he uh, spins around on his bar stool one more time and runs out of the um, runs out of the tavern. We follow him. <laughs> yeah. Follow the crazy guy. Yeah. After finishing our drinks, of course. Yeah. I'm just taking it with us. Uh, you you head outside and you see there is a uh, there's a horse and um, drawn behind the horse is a small little cart. You see there's a box of food in the back with a tarp pulled over it um, to keep it to keep it from getting wet. Uh, there's also like a bedroll and a few other just like miscellaneous camping uh, adventuring supplies we'll call them for the sake of not having to be specific on everything in there. But needless to say, <laughs> there is a cart already ready full of the needed supplies for you both. And he gestures with both of his hands to say, gentlemen, your carriage awaits. Perfect. I go ahead and I hand the map to Duvad and I hop in the back and like, <laughs> just wake me up when we get there. <laughs> Perfect. I mount the horse and we're on our way. Excellent. So, like I said, the journey should should take, if everything goes well, it will take eight days. Um, I have a table, like an encounter table. So as you travel, um, things may or may not happen. So first encounter table is going to be some traveling through some forest lands. So if one of you, doesn't matter who, someone like to roll a D100 for me. So you take two die 10s and... Oh, right, right. Yep, like these two. And one will be your 10s digit, and the other will be your 1s digit. And you'll roll them at the same time. 83. 83. All right. Let's see what that gets us. So the first day you venture out, and um, the, the land around here, there's just a light snowfall. It's not a heavy... Uh, this isn't heavy Arctic snow here. It's just a gradual light snowfall. Uh, should feel very much like the maybe the Pacific Northwest, but even further north, more like uh, um, southern Canada, northern United States. 83. That's where Bigfoot lives. Yeah, yes, 100%. Yes. <laughs> so towards the end of the first day, traveling along the winding paths outside of Te'ekal, heading northeast um, towards where the map tells you that uh, Jotunheer is. And you see up ahead a old uh, stone bridge across a uh, small creek. And um, I guess, uh, do you... Do you go to cross at the stone bridge or do you go to find another bridge perhaps further up or down the creek i can just no reason to suspect anything's amiss so we head over towards the stone bridge and begin to cross yeah, i just follow the big guy yeah and are, so are you just hanging out in the back of the cart like absolutely yeah I'm just reading my book man <laughs> what book do you read oh i don't <laughs> fourth whatever century 
trivia questions. I don't know. <laughs> Prepare for the next night of Frost Elf trivia. Yes, trivia absolutely. night. Yeah. get those free drinks. So, <laughs> so uh, as you approach the bridge, uh, you hear a like a, a deep rumble, like a, a very guttural growl, and you see a hairy, bat-wide, bulbous-nosed head of a troll peek out from under the bridge. And you're about, I don't know, maybe 65, 70 feet away from the bridge at this point. Uh, troll pulls his head around the side of the bridge, under the bridge, and the horse immediately like kind of gets a little bit nervous. You see it uh, like uh, stop. Well, it stops and then it is trying to back up a little bit at the sight of the troll. So I shout troll. We must pass this bridge. He, he licks his lips and, and stares you down and pulls himself further out from behind or from underneath the bridge. And you see, he stands at about seven and a half to eight feet tall. Now at his full height and he's uh, in his one hand is like an old bone of some kind with some meat on it. And he just continues to chew on the, the bone, standing there menacingly at the front of the bridge. Um, I turn to Ans and say, rouse yourself. We have work to do. How, how am I supposed to know? Just because it looks like my ex? I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> he's obviously eaten, so he's not going to eat us. You know, maybe he's just lonely. Should we go talk to him? We approach the bridge and I call out to him again and say, will you let us pass in peace? We have no quarrel with you. He smiles and says, I could let you pass. What's in the back of the cart? Wait, is he looking at me or the goods? <laughs> maybe a little bit of column A, maybe a little bit of column B. Just a little halfling. <laughs> Just some meager provisions, not enough to sate one as large as yourself. Mm. I don't know. Let me, let me look in there and let me decide for myself then, little one. And he uh, like slowly begins walking towards you. He's now, let's say he just, he crosses 10 feet. So he's like 60-ish feet away from you now. Um, I'm going to hop out of the wagon and kind of step a few, you know, dozen feet back so he doesn't come at me. Maybe lock and load my crossbow, just in case. Shortbow. He uh, he sees you hop out of the cart. Says, "Oh, that that will do just fine." Then, human, give me the little one, and you can cross across my bridge. <laughs> Don't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. Anz and I have been through too much together. That's a real shame. Oh well. And he throws the um, the femur bone down on the ground, and it just sticks into the uh, wet, soppy mud. And save that for later. Roars. And I'll need both of you to roll initiative for me. So you'll take a D20, and there should be just an initiative stat at the top of your sheet. You'll record that. Uh, hold on to that number while I just get our initiative tracker up real quick. Let me find our 
troll. Uh, I've got plus two, you've got plus three, so. Yeah, I put the speed. Oh, right. Yeah, you got longer legs, I guess. All right. Uh, Ons, what did you roll? I rolled a, a 17 with a plus three modifier. Nice. So 20. Devod? 18. <sighs> wow, you guys got the drop on this troll. Perfect. So, uh, Ons, it's your go first. Um, I am going to continue loading up my short bow and maybe uh, throw an arrow at him if I could. Sure. Yeah. So um, it's a D20 okay. uh, to hit. So it should be, yeah, there's a, yep. So plus five, your attack is plus five to hit. Oh, the ranged got it. Oh, that's a three. A three. So maybe the, uh, maybe you're just a little bit unsure of yourself. The threat of being eaten <laughs> by a troll has you a little bit shaken. Make anyone uncomfortable, really. The yeah. arrow sails wide. Um, Devad, what do you do? Get him, Devad. I charge toward him with my warhammer in my right hand. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Uh, so go ahead. And so he is, I said he was 60 feet away from you. So uh, in one movement, uh, in fifth edition, you get a movement action and a main action, which is like attacking or disengaging or um, dodging. And then you get a bonus action. Your movement action uh, you can go up to 30, you go up to your speed in a turn. Uh, you can then use your main action to move again, but you would not be able to attack. So right. to, to set this up, you could, a couple things you could do. You could use your movement action and your main action to move your speed. So go 60 feet and then you'd be right in front of him and he would have to attack you or expose himself to an opportunity attack, the troll that is. Or you could move 30 feet and then do what's called a readied action. So you would tell me what it is you want to do given a certain amount of parameters. So uh, I wait for the troll to approach, and when he gets within melee range, I attack. Is sort of like how a readied action would work. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. So um, what, what would you like to do, Devad? Well, given the distance, yeah. So I, I, I charge toward him, covering half of the distance, and I, I have my, my hammer is ready, and so now I'm kind of waiting for the troll to make his move. Okay. Excellent. So the troll is going to make his move and he comes running up the pathway. His, um, you know, seven and a half foot tall frame, muscular frame, smelly. He's got like bits of uh, gore and blood on his chest from eating something gnarly. And he's going to move 30 feet. So he's going to cross the middle distance and going to attack. But you get to go first since you were higher in the initiative order and you have a readied action. So you can go ahead and make your attack now, Devad. Okay. 19. Okay, that is a hit. So now you can go ahead and roll damage. Which is 1d8. Yep. Oh yeah, sorry. That's the uh, sort of pyramid-shaped one with two die fours. No, that's a 10. Okay. So four... Just one D, yeah. Yep, so one D eight, and then probably plus your strength, right? So it's four. Well, it says one D eight three. Yep. So uh, it will take your. Oh, because my strength is the plus three bonus. Okay, so that'd be seven total then. You got it. Awesome. Gotcha. Nice, a palpable hit on the troll. So what does this look like when you hit the troll? Like it's he's coming at you, his arms up like this, and what is Devad's first strike? Basically, coming? catch him right in the abdomen and sort of double him over, knock the wind out of him. Oh. 
he uh yeah you catch him right in the gut and his head turns and snarls at you he's completely lost focus of the halfling now and is looking right at you devod wanting to rend you in two speaking of two he rolled a two on his attack roll <laughs> so he misses with his uh with his claw attack uh, he has a second attack. He has a bite attack. So he goes to swipe at you with the claw. Missing, he's going to lunge at you with his mouth and try to bite you. <laughs> he rolls a um, a 13. So I don't know. What is your armor class for me, Devad? That should be at the top of the sheet near where initiative and speed are. Oh, 18. Okay. So he has to roll an 18 or above to do damage to you. He does not. So he misses with his bite as well. Uh, Ons, what do you... Short on penicillin, anyway. (laughs) What do you do? Um, I'm going to load up another arrow and see if I can get him this time. Uh, So there's no penalty. In 5th edition, there's no penalty to shooting into combat. So feel free to do all that. Well, it's a big guy. He can take it if I accidentally get him. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's what real friendship is about. He'll be fine if I shoot him. Healed after the last time. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta roll a twenty to hit. Oh, no, I mean uh, roll a d twenty. Yep. Uh, Eighteen. Nineteen. Nice. Another palpable hit. So now you can roll damage. Should be a d six. Yep. Piercing damage. A two. Okay. So he he uh, roars at the uh, uh, the arrow that strikes him in the shoulder. And uh, but he's still um, he's still coming after Devad. It's not enough damage to take his attention away from Devad. Devad, it is your turn again. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna go ahead and I've I've got my warhammer. So it's time to take another whack. So you should have let us pass. <laughs> Eighteen. Jeez, you guys are crushing these rolls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and roll damage again. And uh, so my my Warhammer says that if I use it two-handed in melee, then it does 1d10 damage. Uh, so I, I believe this time, the, the first time I was kind of waiting in more of a relaxed stance, but now that I've taken the first whack and he's swung at me and missed, now I've got it in both hands and I'm sort of bringing it down on top of his head. Oh, nice. And I hit him for five. Excellent. All right. So he he roars again, and uh, this uh, this strike from the warhammer comes down. And where where are you trying? You're trying to hit him in the head. Yeah, because I think it kind of doubled him over a little bit with that first blow to the stomach. So now I'm kind of you know overhead coming down on his head shoulders. He goes to block the attack that's coming at his head, and it um, the strike is so powerful that it cleaves right through his his arm and you sever his right arm from his body and the gross troll hands black icor comes out of his stumpy arm now and the arm flops to the ground and is now twitching good hit the troll is now bloodied so he is uh less than he's at half or less than half health uh the troll is super pissed now so he's going to attack you, Duvad, and this time he's attacking with advantage. So he's rolling two d twenty and taking the higher. So one was a five. One roll was a five. One roll was a sixteen. Sixteen plus his modifier of five is twenty-one, which I think beats your armor class. Yes. 
this claw attack does seven damage to you, Devad. Okay. No. All right. Uh, Ons? I'm going to keep my distance. I don't think I could do much with these big folk. So I'm going to just knock another arrow. That's my third arrow. I'm going to. Here, and uh, let me see your character sheet really quick because I did not explain to you, my dear friend. Um, you get an attack. Uh, rogues get the, uh, a feature called a sneak attack. So once per turn, and you ha- have one turn per round, so on your turn, you can deal extra damage to one creature hit with an attack if you have advantage on the attack roll. Um, and you get advantage on attack rolls as long as the foe is uh, as long as you're fighting someone that is fighting someone else and not fighting you. Oh. So you get to roll 2d20 and take the higher on any attack roll with the foe that's in combat with someone else. And you get to add an extra d6 damage to any damage done to said foe. I got a 2 and a 12, so a 12. Uh, and, but 12 plus probably your dex mod, right? And proficiency, is so is it... Um, 12 plus 5. Yeah, for your bow. Yeah, plus 5 to hit. Nice. So it takes you up to 17. 17. Okay, so uh, beats his AC of 14. Um, so that is still a hit. 2d6. Yep. Yeah, and if you need more dice. Share them here. Yeah. Got two fours on that. Nice. 8 damage. Gonna own him. <laughs> is that what Owen says every time? Absolutely. Like, it's just you know, yeah. owns this guy. <laughs> All right. So he, I shake my head and roll my eyes. <laughs> because maybe you didn't hear it, but you just know. <laughs> so this is a lot of damage. So what does this arrow strike? Where does it hit the troll to do so much damage to him in one bow attack? How about in the eyeball? That sounds sufficiently disgusting. Oh, yeah. So he's... He, He's bleeding. He's missing an arm. He goes his now there's an arrow sticking out from his eyeball. He is on death's door, which means the next good uh, average attack should kill him. So divide. So I again take my my warhammer in two hands and I wind up and I like a baseball player swinging at a hanging curveball. Swing away. <laughs> 14. All right. Um, and is that with all your modifiers? Uh, no, I have a dex of plus two, so it's probably a 16 then. Yeah, yep. Um, so that, that hits. His AC is 14, so go ahead and roll damage. So if you roll above a four, you kill him. There it is. Ten. Is that a zero or a ten? It's ten. Ten, okay, so ten. So max damage. Uh, what does it look like when you kill this troll? I basically take his head off. The we see the the camera cuts over to like just um, a, a static landscape scene, and then we see in the background this head fly into camera range and then roll, and we get this gross close up of the decapitated troll head with his tongue hanging out, and his eyes rolled back into his head. Well done, gentlemen. Um, each of you gains two hundred experience, please. And the troll is dead. You may now pass and do whatever unobstructed.
I think we go look under the bridge to see if the troll had any any provisions or anything hidden there under the bridge. Nice. Well done. So you find... Um, I Roll a d100 for me. Let's see if you guys get a magic item or something cool. <laughs> the horn of dog barking. 87. 87. Oh, this is just... Weapons, so I'll just grab a table real quick. Sorry about that. Shh, quiet phone. Uh, so you find a, a bunch of, like, discarded and half-rotted body parts, and uh, you see scraps of clothing of uh, various frost elf um, you, you see the telltale signs that these bodies are, are mainly frost elves from their clothing. And but you also find a small uh, pack, uh, an adventurer's pack. Inside the pack, um, you find a couple potions. You find a uh, lesser healing potion, which will heal you for D4 plus your constitution modifier. You find a potion of giant strength, which uh, adds, um, I believe... Push no giant strength. Does it double your strength score? Oh, it just flat increases your... Um, it would increase your strength to 23. Probably more useful for Ans. <laughs> Definitely. I just want to feel the strength once. <laughs> Bulk up. You you just carry the cart now. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you uh, defeat the troll. Um, continue. Well, and since I uh, since I did take some damage, uh, doing most of the damage to the troll, although that was a good shot in the eyeball there, Ans. <laughs> uh, I think I'll go ahead and use that uh, lesser healing potion to try and get some of my uh, damage back. Excellent. So you'll roll a d4, which is like the little pyramid-shaped one, and you add your constitution modifier to it. So I get five health back. Or hit points back. So I'm back up to 18. Perfect. So I finish drinking the potion, wipe my mouth, and turn on and say, let's get going. All right. Hop in the back and... <laughs> Start to nap again and wake <laughs> me up when we get there. <laughs> so the the uh, travel for the rest of the afternoon, it gets to be about evening time. Um, when you uh, when you make camp, um, you just gather firewood and um, make. Do you do anything specific when you make camp um, or is it just like yeah, we set up camp, get the bedrolls out, put a fire together, yada, yada, yada. Pretty much. Yeah, just. Sit around, talk about the adventures of the day. Excellent. Just see how far his head flew. <laughs> so the um, the night passes, and uh, you head out for the next day of travel. Someone roll a d one hundred for me for twenty six.
So a um, the road, the further you travel along, let's see. The further along you travel, the worse the road gets. And a tree has uh, collapsed across the road, and it looks to be an old rotted tree. And uh, it's going to be difficult. Um, well, I'll just say it's uh, there's a tree blocking the road. Okay. Do we have anything to bash this up or move it out of the way? Or? You should go over there and check it out and let me know how it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> and another troll of no. <laughs> so I, I go over to the tree and kind of uh, suss out the situation, see how intact it is, how rotted it is, whether a few blows from my <clears throat> warhammer might uh, break it up easily. Yeah, I'm, you could uh, you could smash at it for um, a couple, well, maybe like an hour or so to like clear it up and, and break it apart, and you could clear a path with it. Upon inspecting the tree. Can you roll perception for me, Devad? Nine. Nine. Okay. Yeah, so it should take you about an hour to uh, break this thing apart and move it. Okay, so I set to work. Excellent. So you start swinging away, and then you hear like the sound of buzzing in your ear. So, uh, you feel a sharp uh, stabbing pain in your neck in between, like... Uh, pieces of chain mail or uh actually what armor do you wear devod uh, uh chain mail chain mail yeah so there's a uh a sting in your neck from the a sting in your neck ow you slap Damn at it. it you feel another sting on your uh calf now i quickly back away from the tree you see that there's now a uh rolling form of a like um uh, wasp nest that has you have broken apart from inside this tree and now they are hovering all over the tree uh, being a huge uh, nuisance and pain you don't take any damage but it is uh, <laughs> there are a ton of wasps there now Ans, why don't you come finish this up I just can't I've, I've loosened it. <laughs> <laughs> no sir I'm good Maybe we'll uh, pack up and walk around it. Yes, we'll we'll scout around see if there's a better way around. Yeah, so uh, you you spend uh, a little while like trying to see to getting around this felled tree, and yeah, you can pack up things um, like unhitch the uh, the cart horse and navigate it around. I mean, it's not going to take more than maybe a half hour or so, maybe an hour to get around the inconvenienced tree. You do so. Uh, the wasps leave you alone, and you uh, continue along for the rest of the day unobstructed. Um, again, this the evening comes and uh, passes by uneventfully. And someone make for the third day another D one hundred roll for me. Ninety eight. Oh, cool. All right, so uh, this is, so uh, on this day, this would be the third day. Uh, so the snowfall goes from just a light dusting uh, snow to 
uh, flakes are a little bit larger. There's actual snow accumulation on the ground now, uh, not more than like a half inch, quarter inch. Um, typical April day in Iowa, we'll call it. (laughs) (laughs) And you, uh, yeah, you travel for the rest of the day without difficulty, make camp that evening as normal. And, uh, I guess, uh, typically do you guys post watch at night? And if so, uh, who takes second watch? I guess that was sort of a leading question. <laughs> I'll take uh, second watch. I've been sleeping all day anyway, so. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so, uh, um, so you, you take second watch and you, uh, you hear the sounds of bush, of uh, shrubbery rustling. And then you hear heavy, heavy breathing and, uh, uh, of, and whimpers in pain coming from, uh, I don't know, like, uh, we'll say like 25, 30 yards away inside the, uh, the brush. Do you have dark vision or any sort of like night vision as a halfling? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, if anything, it would be under features and traits. So if it doesn't say that you have dark vision or low light vision, then you don't have it. I don't have it. Okay. So I will, uh, I'll kick Duval and I'll shout out. And I was like, who goes there? And, uh, so yeah, you kick uh, Devad awake, and uh, uh, out running from uh, the bush is a small uh, frost elf girl. Um, she looks to be—it's kind of hard to tell elves' age, right? Because they live to be like four hundred years old, but she looks to be about uh, a, a young child elf, and she's not dressed for the weather. Like she's dressed in a what a what would basically be rags and she's got poorly maybe homemade um crappy uh cloth shoes and she comes running out of the brush and runs into she runs like right into you devon <laughs> and she falls to the ground and she's just looking around panicking scared calm down calm down we're not going to hurt you um do either of you speak uh, Elvish, by chance? I do. Do you speak Elvish, Devon? I do not. I, I will notice up on that, and I was like, <laughs> oh, it's okay, calm down. Sit by the fire, we'll get you some food. Is everything okay? She begins uh, speaking to you, Devon, in this language you don't recognize, and Ans, she takes a second and realizes that it's just nothing, nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> and she turns to you, Ans, and she begins just... Uh, um, uh, he's coming I, I escaped but he's coming to get me please hide me hide me please please and she, she's like looking around the camp for um, she's just nervously looking around your camp okay and it's like uh, Devon get her some food and then by the fire and then I'm gonna kind of look around the encampment and make sure that no one's approaching us that some attacker or anything like that yeah, so I, I I take her by the hand, lead her closer to the fire, find a blanket to drape over her shoulders, get her a little bit of something to eat. So yeah, she, she she's uh, now maybe like the adrenaline was pumping and she didn't notice how cold she was, but she she shivers and you put the blanket over her shoulders and the shivering slows down a little bit and her uh, rapid breathing like begins to slow. 
and she slowly takes sips of the stew of the ration that you had made earlier that evening. Ons, so you go and scout around the area, do you? I do, absolutely. Got to find this guy. You see maybe like 100 to 150 yards uh, deep in the timber, a dull uh, red light of a torch. Um, you, you can't, it's too far away for you to really make out much more than that unless you roll perception and roll above a 17. No, I did not. That was like two, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, so he, the, the figure is too far away to make out any sort of who or what it is other than the red light from what is likely a torch. Got it. Um, maybe uh, I'll just kind of go to the edge of our camp and I'll shout at uh, Javad to check the girl. I'm going to hide up in the tree and there's a guy coming. Okay, keep an eye out. Tell me what you see. <laughs> I'm going to try to crawl up the tree and maybe like jump and ambush this said person. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I mean, you, you take your time. If if you were under duress, like maybe I would have you roll acrobatics, but you're, you're able to clamber up the tree just being a naturally dexterous halfling and lie in wait. Yeah. The uh, You hear a sharp couple whistles and you hear... I just get catcalled. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, there is no... Um, so there's... Uh, you hear the, the whistle, and you also hear this, uh, Devad. But, Ons, you see then the... From where the red light is originating deeper into the woods, uh, you hear the sounds of brush... Uh, uh, of something moving amongst the brush very quickly two things moving amongst the brush very quickly low to the ground and they're speeding towards where your camp is with my perception check am i able to see any better yet yeah go ahead and roll a uh, uh, roll perception at advantage for me so you can take 2d20 and take the higher 17 um you see that there are two large um dogs that are running through the brush heading right towards camp and Devad, you do not hear or see any of this yet they're still farther out um closer to uh ons than you me being a smart halfling am i gonna know uh, am i dexterous enough to manage to jump on one of these things when they come or yeah yeah okay. you could you could you could do that you're not so high up that if you jump you're gonna like oh you broke your legs <laughs> awesome <laughs> um yeah. you uh you could do that if you wanted to do that sure i'm gonna try to lie, lie and wait and get these dogs by surprise okay so uh one of the one of the dogs uh maybe catches a scent or something and it stops moving but the other dog is just like a bullet heading right towards camp so do you make your I'm make your yep i'm gonna totally dive down onto this dog thing. dark souls plunging attack yes uh yes yeah, so um plus acrobatics for me five so 17 oh nice oh. yeah so you definitely um come down from and so are you going to attack it or are you trying to grapple it what are you going to do oh, to i'm just it? gonna impale it with a dagger <laughs> awesome 
So you hit. I'll. I'll. We'll just say you hit um, from your uh, from the attack. Um, damage is D four, and then plus your Dex. I'm assuming. Yeah, three. So two plus three is five. Okay. This dog. Uh, does this dog had D six a uh, single hit die D six HP, and rolled a two. So uh, you're able to come down and just immediately stab this thing and kill it. And it dies so quick, it doesn't even get a chance to bark. Excellent. Um, if I get time to react, start heading towards the, the bullet dog that's going to be hitting Duvad. Well, uh, and maybe I didn't... So the, the bullet dog that was running for camp was the one that you jumped on. Got it. There was a dog that rolled a 20 on its perception and noticed you and stopped and ah, froze. Understood. Uh, I'm going to shout immediately, Devad, come help me. <laughs> <laughs> and at that, we're going to take our... Uh, at Devad, come help me. <laughs> we'll take our first break. Uh, so everyone, uh, we'll be right back with part two of uh, Last Life with the Cardboard Caucus. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 